Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. The title this morning is Seek and Add. So Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 6, says, Watch out and don't do good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. And when you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have... They've already received the reward that they'll ever get. But when you give to, when you give to someone in need, don't, know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that that's all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourselves, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then the Father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And if you forgive those who've sinned against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and dishevelled, so people who admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that the only reward, that is the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, and then no one will notice that you're fasting, except your father, who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth and rust eat and destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. The eye is like a lamp that provides light to to your body. When your eye is healthy, the whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. And if, if the light, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for they will hate one and love the other. They will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't they far more valuable to him than you are? Or are you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. 
Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. It's a, it is, for me, for me personally, it's one of the most beautiful bits of scripture because it conveys the heart of Jesus towards us. And it's the way we are to walk. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. The New International says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well or added. It's a wonderful way to walk. When we seek above all else, things are added. Everything is provided. This portion of scripture, it highlights giving to the needy, to prayer, to fasting, to money and possessions. We're to look out for others. We pray, we fast, we have an open hand with our money and possessions. And we live like this, we don't need to worry because God takes care of us. Everything is added to us. Sounds easy, doesn't it? But if we're honest, that isn't always our experience, certainly not for me. It's a journey it's a journey of faith, of seeking. And there are two questions this morning that I'd really like to try and unpack or start to unpack in these coming weeks. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God above all else? And what does everything added look like? Everything given. But before we can answer that, before we answer how we seek the kingdom of God, we must understand what the kingdom of God is. Because the kingdom of God was and is very important to Jesus. He mentions it over 120 times in the Gospels, especially the book of Matthew, which half, over half of the mentions are in the book of Matthew. And I think that Jesus clearly wants us to focus our gaze on the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a place. It's not like Windsor Castle. It isn't Windsor Castle with rainbows and um, unicorns floating around in a heavenly realm. It isn't necessarily a place. Because in, I read in Luke 17, verse 20, the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over here, because the kingdom of God is already amongst you. The kingdom of God is simply God's redemptive rule and reign on the earth. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the word, the word kingdom points directly to God's kingship, his rule, his action, his sovereign, his governance over all created things. We seek the kingdom. It's not a quest it's not a trek. Seek, the word seek is a little bit, it's a little bit of a, it's not the best word, the best translation, because it isn't like hide and seek. You know, at Christmas, when the, the three granddaughters got a little bit of, they started to get on my nerves a bit, I have to be honest. And I used to say, let's play hide and seek, go and hide. <laughs> and they'd all run away and I didn't go and seek them. But seeking has this impression that we're sort of looking under things and we don't really know where it is. But when we seek God, we see him in front of us and nothing distracts us from our journey to go towards him. 
It's a journey. It's more than a physical journey. It's a journey of faith, of obedience, of learning, of sacrifice every day in our lives. And in order to understand first the kingdom of God, we must know the king. Because Jesus is the kingdom personalised or personified. The kingdom is defined by its ruler and we look to the ruler of this kingdom. And we only have to look at the rulers of the other kingdoms of this world and we can see that they're in a mess. Canada is a different country to the UK. They drive on the right-hand side of the road or the wrong side of the road. You have to stop at every junction. There are no giveaway signs. You can turn right on a red, which is terrifying for somebody who didn't know that when you're there. You cannot jaywalk across the road. You can buy a gun and a bag of donuts at Walmart, but you can't buy a bottle of wine. Alcohol has to be purchased from special shops and must be given to you in a brown paper bag. You cannot buy custard creams, Walker's crisps or sausage rolls. It snows a lot. You must clear the pavement outside of your home when it snows. It's the law. There are bears. The wildlife is different and there is a lot of space. And these changes are very subtle, but it defines that nation. And we, make, we need to make sure as the people of God that we maintain the little things that define us as citizens of the kingdom of God. And we're going to unpack those in the, in the coming weeks. Because it is a different kingdom. And as kingdom people, we must express and represent the kingdom. The kingdom of God came to us through the Son of God. And God's redemptive rule and reign was sent by King Jesus, who died as a ransom for many. Jesus said this on the sermon, he said this during his sermon, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. First. Above all else. You know, we talk about Jesus being above all. But above all else, God is calling us, Jesus is calling us to seek first the kingdom. And the verse's meaning is as direct as it sounds, that we seek the things of God as priority over the things of the world. In other words, everything... Every aspect of our lives comes second to seeking the kingdom of God. In my life, there's a little triangle. It's not a love triangle. There's a little triangle in my life that I always think about. And this is not a, a concept or something we need to learn, but I always have a triangle. And my triangle is church, work, family. And often I'll sit down and I will, in my mind assess and evaluate where I'm at in those three things. They're the three things in my life that not dominate, but set the course. So sometimes I'll sit down and I'll look through these things and church would be really good. Work would be a bit like this. Family could do with some improvement. And if I look at church, that's my relationship with God and all the aspects of church that are a reflection of that. And when I say church, I don't mean just here. I mean as in my life with Christ. My place of work, it's my place of outreach. It's it's my example to the world. It's not my source. 
And then my marriage. My marriage, does it reflect Christ and his church? Is everything in my home Christ-centred? And for those of us who aren't married, or for those of us who don't have children, this is our family, because family is wider than our nuclear family. It really covers everything. It covers all our relationships with those that we're reaching out for. And whilst God says, that whilst the word says, seek first the kingdom of God, we don't neglect these things because the Bible clearly points out that we must maintain and develop and love our families and spouses, etc. But in turn, these all come under kingdom rule. And our mission, our journey is to make sure they reflect the kingdom. When I, grew up, when I was growing up, we used to talk about kingdom people. The church that I started in, they used to say, oh, he's a, he's a kingdom person. And we used to have this sort of um, joke that if something wasn't right, we'd say, well, that doesn't reflect the kingdom. I remember getting in my son's car recently and I said, this car doesn't reflect the kingdom of God's son. <laughs> but it's more than that. It's bigger than that. It means that we make sure that our relationships, our marriages, our work are inherent in the kingdom of God because, it's, because they're of greater value than the world. It's, this is all greater value than the world's riches. However, in turn, it brings greater riches. Inherent means that something is stuck into, it's so firmly, so firmly a part of what it is. It's part of the structure, it's part of the makeup. It's not a chemical relationship, it's actually physical. Um, for those of you who know me, I, I work in the, the furniture industry and there are fire retardant fabrics. And there are two ways that you can make a fabric fire retardant. You can treat it chemically or it can be what you call inherently fire retardant. And inherently fire retardant means that there is something in the weave but it's actually part of the structure that makes it fire retardant. And God wants to be inherent in everything that we do, everything that we are, everything that we live for. And we don't neglect those things because we need to be responsible for them that they become inherent in our lives. If we're taking care of God's business as our priority, seeking his salvation, living in obedience to him, sharing the good news of the kingdom with others, then he will take care of our lives, our children, our work and provision as he's promised. And that's the promise. So why do we ever worry? What a wonderful place to be. Personally, am I there yet? Absolutely not. But I am seeking the kingdom. I am walking that way. And how do we know that we're truly seeking God's kingdom first? And these are questions we need to ask ourselves. What do we primarily spend our time and energy doing? Is all our time and money spent on goods and activities that will certainly perish, or is it in the service of God, which results in eternity? You see, when we learn to put God first, we begin to rest in a holy dynamic, and all things will be given to us. My first pastor said to me, he said, God will supply all of your needs and some of your wants. <laughs> and God has promised to supply everything for us. We read this in Philippians 4.19. It says, God has promised to provide for his own 
supplying every need. In the New King James, which is the best version of the Bible, it says, My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And that idea is often different from ours because his timing only occasionally meets our expectations. And as an aside, I need to say that this is why we must read Scripture in the light of the whole Scripture and not take a Scripture out of context. Because many years ago when I was growing up, we used to take Scriptures out of context. We used to be... I remember one time I was in need of something and somebody kept saying to me, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. But I wasn't seeking him in the way that I should have been. And guess what? He didn't supply them. So saying something simply isn't enough. But sometimes we are in need, but we need to be those who seek the kingdom first and not riches. There are a growing number of ministries in the world today that gather followers together under the message, God wants you to be rich. But it's a philosophy that's not the counsel of the Bible and it's certainly not the counsel of Matthew 6.33 which says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. God wants us to have things but he doesn't want things or the pursuit of things to have us. Matthew 6.33 is not a formula for gaining wealth. We all like the last bit. We like the bit that says that God will give us everything we need. We like the bit that says God will add things to us, but we need to seek him. And it's a description of how God works. And Jesus taught us that our focus should be shifted away from the world, this earthly kingdom, its status and its luring arguments and placed upon the things of God. There are three great lies that have been promoted in our Christian culture during the past 25 years. The first one is if you work hard enough, you can be anything you want to be. Now, I assure you that if I work hard enough, I will never be a brain surgeon. My teacher at school said that I, it would be best if I left school. And um, so the dream of being a brain surgeon never, never came to any effect. Another lie is you can be the best in the world if you really want it. Now, it doesn't matter how much I want to be an ice skater. You didn't have to laugh that much. I'm not going to be an ice skater. And the last lie is, if you don't attain to what the world considers success, you have failed. And it's important to realise that we live in a different kingdom now. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't copy the behaviour and customs of the world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Yes. Romans 12.2. Don't, the, 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 don't copy the behaviour and customs, the little subtle things of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you, will learn how God, then you will learn and know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Be in the world, but not of the world. In John 15, 19, it says, 
The world would love you as one of its own if, it belong, if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world because I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. These lies have been accepted and promoted by Christians and non-Christians over many years. But God has called us to come out of the world, to be in the world, but not of the world. And as successful Christians, we define our own destiny. And successful Christians are not necessarily massively rich, and they're not people who are, have loads of influence or are famous. But seeking the kingdom of God can only be defined by one thing. It's our obedience to the word of God. In Joshua 1.7, God says to Joshua, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, neither turning right or left. And then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything that's written in it. And only then... Only then will you be prosperous and succeed in all that you do. In other words, we apply the kingdom of God to every situation in our lives. And situations in our lives where we need to apply the kingdom are our health, our finance, our employment, our marriages, our children, fear, uncertainty of the future. And when we pursue it, because we're called to pursue eternal things, not temporal things. That is our journey. I've known many people that haven't attained to the world's things. They've not attained to the measurement that the world gives and they feel that somehow they failed. Well, that's a lie. Because the measure is how we seek God. The measure is how the kingdom of God operates in our lives. That is the measure. And my prayer this morning for many people across many churches is that they see that the kingdom of God is the starting point. It's not the world. Because we're in the world, but we're not of the world. There was a singer in the 70s called Larry Norman. And he sung a song and it was... I'm only visiting this planet. And in a sense, it's very true. We're only visiting this planet because we live in another kingdom. Our rules are set by another ruler. They're not set by those things that are around us. I just wanted to share what prosperity really is this morning, what kingdom prosperity is. In the second book of Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 8, it says, And God will generously provide all you need. All you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over for others to share. The same verse in the Moffat translation says, God is able to bless you with ample means so that you will always have quite enough for any emergency of your own and ample besides for any kind act to others. So what that means is, is that you'll always have what you need. If the washer breaks down, you'll just be able to buy a new one. If you see somebody in the church that's in need, you'll be able to support them. You'll always have enough for, always have enough for any emergency. 
That's prosperity. That's living in the kingdom. If you have a Rolls Royce, that's fine. But God does bless us, and he heal, but it's when we, can, we don't consume all our wealth upon ourselves. Whether you work in a business or you're a Christian worker, whether you're a day labourer, a homemaker, a factory worker, a professional, or an academic, if you're obeying what God has told you to do, you are a successful citizen in the kingdom of God. The person doing the most with what he has that God has given him is a success. That they're obeying what God has called them to do, being what God has called them to be, going where God has called them to go, saying what God has called them to say, living how God has called them to live, walking in the way that God has called them to walk. To seek the kingdom of God means prioritising love over survival. Sometimes that's something that Jesus embodied through his life and teaching, especially when we look at the cross, that he prioritised his love to us over his survival because God wants us to seek him this morning. He wants to add things to our lives that are eternal and not temporal. And when we seek him above anything else, he will add things to your life. But, bef- but above all, we seek him. We seek him. So in the coming weeks, we're going to unpack this further. We're going to see what the kingdom life looks like and the joy and the peace and the power for living that it brings us in the way that we walk. Amen. So we're going to sing a song now. So I, I was preparing this a bit more yesterday and a song came into my mind and unfortunately Julian's not here because so, it's a very old song. But um, <laughs> it goes like this. It's, uh, it says, give me one pure... Do you know this one, Steve? Give me one pure and holy passion. Wow. <laughs> give me one magnificent obsession. Well... There's, this, there's a songbook called the, Jew, the Bowden Russell Songbook, but I think Steve wrote the foreword, I'm not sure. But the words go like this. It says, give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in the truth. The world is empty, pale and poor compared to knowing you, my Lord. Lead me on and I will run after you. And this morning, God is calling us to run after him, to not look at the things of the world, but to set our eyes on the things of the kingdom. To, you know, for some of us this morning, we may have not started that journey. We may be, what is all this about? But God wants us to seek him, the kingdom of God, before anything else, and he will add many things to our lives. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.